Hi, folks. Welcome back to Not So Giant Women, the Steven Universe podcast. It's Ivy and Daria. Today, we will be watching and discussing episode for Together Breakfast. So up to this point, we gotten to see Gems in Action, yeah. finally, with Steve on his first adventure. And we're still not so sure about his everyday home life, though. So when I saw this title for the first time, I was really hoping we'd get like a cute breakfast episode and kind of see how gems feed Steven and how they eat and stuff. So uh, yeah, Daria, any thoughts on the Together Breakfast title? Any predictions, expectations? A similar sort of thing to you. Steven does seem like the sort of person who enjoys his breakfast. In fact, he seems especially ostensibly American. Basically, America has a, a wider range of appealing breakfast foods in the everyday than some other countries do. Do we? Well, it's certainly not unheard of here to have the likes of pancakes and such for breakfast. It seems to be a more common thing in America. Mm. And America is known for how much food is provided in what portions. Mm-hmm. We didn't realize until a friend of mine went over there for a conference and she found out that our idea of a large soft drink here was a small soda over there. They basically give you buckets, don't they? Yeah. So whereas the likes of, of just grabbing cereal or toast or something is more likely here, the mm-hmm. bacon and pancakes and things seem to pop up <laughs> more over there. And Stephen has not been backwards and coming forwards in how much he likes those sort of foods. Um, Breakfast seems like the perfect excuse for him to have some of them. Yeah, so we'll get to see what his idea of breakfast is. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm aware some of this is also probably, that's how it looks on TV compared to real life, but even American people I've spoken to have pointed out the difference in how we regard certain meals. I would definitely add my voice to that pile saying that uh, in the United States, breakfast can be bizarrely comprehensive. If you go out to a breakfast buffet or something, there's so many different kinds of stuff. And what's considered a balanced breakfast is like, it's, it's like, what? How do you even get all that in your stomach and still go to school? Yeah. Whereas if I have breakfast, it's more likely to be a couple of slices of toast and maybe a, an English muffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have coffee once I get to work and then I eat a granola bar around like 11 o'clock. <laughs> so, but I do love breakfast. I actually like to have breakfast for dinner. I can understand that. I've done the same thing. There's a restaurant I go to that does all day breakfast. And even if I'm like mm-hmm. lunch or dinner, I'm probably eating their breakfast stuff mm-hmm. because they do do the stuff like chorizos and hash browns and things like that. Yeah, it's just, it's also very easy to get a vegetarian breakfast that you don't have any substitutions. It's it's just there's so much breakfast, traditional breakfast food that is vegetarian. So true. it's easy and it's filling and it's great. So I always throw a breakfast for dinner party for my family at New Year's. So. Oh, that's nice. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I like breakfast. <laughs> well, I guess we're about to find out what Stephen thinks of breakfast. Maybe if that's what the title is actually referring to. It seems that the titles so far have been very literal. Yeah, cheeseburger backpack. It's a backpack shaped like a cheeseburger. (laughs) So will we have a breakfast that is together? (laughs) Here we go in finding out. Yay. That thing's too good for me to eat alone. It's a together breakfast. (laughs) Ta-da. We tried to kill us. (laughs) 
that was a fun one. Oh boy. Yeah. Oops, sorry. Olive's rattling the footstool again. <laughs> Olive, I'm talking to someone on a planet called Florida. Okay. <laughs> it is its own planet. <laughs> All right. Together breakfast. It made me very hungry watching that. <laughs> I think that's going to happen a lot in this show. Well, we've had some delicious food in all four episodes so far. Yeah, well, there's no need to wonder about what the featured food is this week because it is incredibly featured being the subject <laughs> and the antagonist of the story. You don't get to hear that too much. The recipe is also the monster. So let's dive in and see how I do with a quick summary. Yes. Stephen, when morning finds that everyone is out and decides that means it's his job to make breakfast. So we see a little montage of him. First he cooks some waffles and still can't find anyone. So he adds some whipped cream, still can't find anyone. Adds popcorn, <laughs> just when you think things were going too normally, still can't find anyone. And then adds the final touch to some scratch music of placing a strawberry just so. He decides that this is such a great creation, it needs to be a breakfast they will have together, the titular together breakfast. However, one by one, the gems emerge from the, temp- the temple door, or rather, the gems re- return, emerge from the temple door and give reasons as to why they can't join in breakfast right now. As they each return to the temple using their gems as a kind of key. Garnet, in particular, has to burn a scroll with some kind of something on it. Mm-hmm. Stephen, being Stephen, takes a photo of this with his phone and now she has to burn the phone too. His <laughs> precious apps will be lost. However, when Pearl returns to the temple, Stephen, outraged that no one's going to have breakfast with him, managed to squeeze himself in through the door. Now, what we're seeing through each door, oh, it should be mentioned that Amethyst's arrival of her pretending to be the the temple police and shooting him a few times with a super soaker. <laughs> and in fact, she's irate when her temple door opens and it's been Pearl in there messing with, or rather unmessing with her stuff and claiming <laughs> that Amethyst has been taking Pearl's swords in there. Amethyst says this is for a sword party. Pearl thinks she's just taking them. I get the impression this isn't the first time such a conversation has happened. But what we learn with the door is that there is a emblem on the door for a number of gems in it, a star emblem, as each gem opens it with their key that's opened to their particular room in the temple, if you will. So it's somehow magically, or if it's physically, it's very engineered. It somehow rotates the door to match the particular gem's entrance. Stephen manages to squeeze himself through the closing door, that's himself and the Together Breakfast, into Pearl's, well, I say Pearl's room, it's more like a huge environment filled with waterfalls that go every which way in some kind of MC Escher-esque manner. Earl is organizing her sword, including the one she retrieved from Amethyst's room, which has to be positioned floating in its place just so within its scabbard. She tells Stephen to get out. It's not safe. Stephen of course, does not care, blindly charges into the water to try to cross to her and falls down a waterfall into Amethyst's room. Amethyst is far less upset that Stephen is in the temple, let alone in her room. She, however, wants the breakfast all to herself and chases Stephen down the tunnels of the temple, which again twist and turn and get upside down and sideways and all the rest of it until they end up 
in a huge environment with an organ-looking thing in the ceiling, which is the heart of the temple and is apparently very dangerous. Stephen, in his usual regard for danger, falls out of there into Garnet's room, which is far more serious looking than anyone else's. She is in the middle of trying to burn with a little pool of hot something and the power in her hand gems to and she's the only one i've seen so far that has two of these things so note that for later burn both the scroll we saw earlier and stephen's phone being interrupted in this by stephen who is really not heeding amethyst and pearl's warnings <laughs> in fact he's really on an adrenaline rush this week i don't know if he's if, if I didn't know he hadn't eaten breakfast yet, I'd assume he'd had a big sugar rush, maybe sugar deprived. That's the same thing for him. But interrupting Garnet means that the smoke from burning the things is she's trying to contain it with a little ball from her hands. It does not work. It leaks out in her disturbance and tries to first attack them as smoke, then contains itself in the together breakfast. It has taken refuge in organic matter, this essence from beyond. Stephen is upset that this has manifested in his breakfast. And of course, the breakfast now turns into a huge monster, which <laughs> is going to attack them. Garnet notes it has all the power of a breakfast in a completely deadpan manner. <laughs> After a few rounds of battle, as all the monster's form is still stemming from Stephen's breakfast plate, even as it spreads across the chamber, he declares he doesn't care if it is the most important meal of the day. It can't attack him and his friends like that and managed to drop it in the burning pool and they dispose of the monster. Back in the main area, back in the kitchen, they have the montage again where they try to reconstruct the together breakfast with the waffles and the popcorn and the whipped cream and the strawberry, again with the scratch music so the strawberry is placed just so. They declare the intention to enjoy a together breakfast when they realize this actually was kind of off-putting and decide to order a pizza instead. Garnet notes this is appropriate as it did try to kill them. What a great line. So this is even more comical than the episode we've seen so far. This is definitely one of their comic relief things, I think, especially for those who just find weird breakfast food things funny. Mm -hmm. We see some of how life works in the temple and the treehouse. And yeah. there's a door at the back just behind the warp platform where, as I described, the gems can choose which door to open and go in. It seems beyond that that the rooms are all connected. So these are just shortcuts ultimately to get straight to their room. Stephen tries to open it with his own gem and it does nothing as yep. he is still a bit underpowered in the gem department. And really all he's doing is just slamming his gem against it, which is unlikely to have effect. Open door. You never work when I need it. <laughs> hmm. There's no elevator button. <laughs> no. I noticed five colors in the star design on the door, but I didn't quite take note of what each one was other than the obvious ones. I was hoping it would cut back to that, but that was the last time we saw the design. So I might have to go back and peek. Mm -hmm. Got the impression Stephen hasn't been back here before, or at least not properly not fully exploring everyone's room and all the tunnels and the extremely dangerous heart area. Mm -hmm. Everyone's room reflects their personality expect. Pearl yeah. is very organized with all her waterfalls and positioned swords. Amethyst mm -hmm. is stuff everywhere. She claims yep. she has a system as all messy people do. <laughs> Garnet is very plain and austere and businesslike. And looks very scary and fiery. <laughs> You get the impression she's the one that has to do the things like burning ancient eldritch scrolls and 
other such disposals. Yeah. There have actually been people who were questioning whether that was her room because it seemed like it was the business room. It was like where they keep stuff and they burn stuff there, but she's the one that opened the door to go in there. So that's, that's her room. Yeah. And it's kind of her colors. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pearls is like, I thought it was very interesting also that Pearls was not only matching colors, but um, had water because I mean, a pearl is made in water. Oh yeah. So um, even though we don't really know if there is a direct correlation, like whether she would have been born in the water or something, or if she came from the water, we, as you know, people who watch a show who know that pearls exist in the real world would associate mm. pearls in water. So I thought that was yeah. cool that it was a watery room, which I guess is also associated with like purity and cleanliness, and it it fit her uh, very well. <laughs> yes, definitely. And Amethyst. I didn't observe her possessions too closely, but the fact that there's stuff everywhere and she insists she knows where to find things when she needs it, that's, that's her. That's so very oh, her. Yeah. So. And she's a hoarder. <laughs> that doesn't require over-analysis sometimes. A uh, messy gem person is just a messy gem person. Yeah. Seemed to be a lot of amethyst crystal in there, geodes and stuff, like purple. Yeah. Very big area for all her stuff. Yeah, and garnets. I mean, Issa room was very... Bear. It had the pool for destroying ancient artifacts, and mm-hmm. I don't know if they can be engineered so th- such things just disappear and reappear as she needs them. That would mm-hmm. be king keeping if it did, if she just summons or activates what she needs and then puts it away when she's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, very big question what the heck was going on with that painting, that scroll? The idea of something that sets off some kind of curse or monster or something just by looking at it, it reminded me of something, but I can't remember what. Yeah, I guess there are a few things where like a horror movie or a horror concept where just having an image of the thing will cause a danger. There's, I can't watch Doctor Who because it's too scary for me, but I've heard that something about angels or something with that. Oh, yes. They can't move unless you're not looking at them. And like, yeah, pictures of them. Yeah. Looking at it is what matters. What else? Like the horror movie. What is that? The Is it The Ring or something? You had to copy a tape? Oh, yeah. that Yeah, that's... I saw The Ring ages ago. Me too. And I wish I hadn't. <laughs> so scary. Short version for those who don't know that you watch this cursed videotape, you'll die in seven days unless you can copy the tape and get someone else to watch it. Yeah, so I don't know if that was actually true or if maybe Garnet had some other reason why she didn't want Stephen to have a picture of this thing, but she just straight up grabbed his phone and broke it and threw it in the fire. <laughs> My apps! Yeah. Well, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, Stephen. Yeah, so that did give us a little piece of information. He has a smartphone, or he had a smartphone, <laughs> so has to be in a relatively modern or technologically similar time to ours. Yeah, yeah. Even though he has a pretty old TV. <laughs> yeah, we saw the old TV again last time too. It's up in his little loft thing, the big yep. CRT set. Yeah, sure do. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, maybe the gems are just cheap for buying television. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're out of all their money because they paid for all those cookie cats. <laughs> I think the questions of how anyone is affording anything whatsoever is going to just keep coming and coming. Yeah. Somebody actually asked the writers about that. Like, where are they getting money? (laughs) They actually answered the question. I don't know if you want to hear it, but... (laughs) Oh, go on. They said Greg pays for everything. His dad pays for everything. (laughs) Maybe that's why he has to live in a van, because he's paying for... (sighs) 
his son and his wife's friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he does run a business. He has the car wash. And if he doesn't have rent, then I guess maybe he is able to pay his son's phone bill. And I don't know. Seems like his life is pretty unconventional as far as like, I don't know what his, his bills are, but you know, you have to pay money to keep the lights on and keep the cable bill and the phone bill going. So, you know. Maybe he's actually getting huge royalties because his music's now on iTunes or something. <laughs> That'd be cool to find out. Mm. Like apparently the bloke from Slade who wrote Merry Christmas Everybody now gets like £500,000 a year just from people downloading and buying and playing it. So these things can happen. Yeah. You were right. They can. Mm. But they were answering that the gems aren't just like working somewhere at the donut shop or something in the meantime. <laughs> they're, they're not getting some so. kind of direct credit for saving the world. They're not destroying monsters mm-hmm. on commission or something. It would be nice if they got some money for that. But then again, you know, I guess they might not have a lot of bills except for that Stephen is there. So they seem to take care of themselves. So I guess, I guess that means Greg's doing child support, really. Yeah, yeah. He's taking care of him. Um, so um, I guess what we see, we see the... Um, we see the painting, the scroll thing is inhabited somehow and Garnet has to burn it and then it turns into smoke and then the smoke inhabits organic matter and it's just, it's going in between these different states. You know, when I first saw that, I'm thinking, was it its goal to get into organic matter? Like, does that make it stronger or something? I mean, it went into the breakfast, but like there's lots of organic matter around that it could have invaded. Like that's, that's pretty scary. We haven't really seen that. Yeah, maybe its long-term goal, apart from destroying things, was to sort of keep body hopping until it found a good, powerful one to be getting on with. Mm-hmm. Well, the the previous episode didn't really have like a big bad, but the the previous two, like when they were fighting something, it clearly was like gem origin. And then this, you couldn't really see any obvious like gem origin. So it's like it's a kind of I guess the question at this point, like what are they fighting? Like we thought. They were fighting gem-related stuff, and then they you see this painting that is like some kind of evil spirit or something, and it turns into smoke and stuff. Maybe they specialize in gem-related monsters, but aren't averse to chipping in when there's another kind of threat. Like That was another one that they don't really explain in the show itself, but as time went by, the, you know, people were saying... They were realizing that sometimes, like with the Greg thing, they they can ask questions to the the people on social media, and they ask them about that too. They're like, "Was this a gem monster? It acted like one. It acted like other things that they fought. They brought out their weapons. They fought the smoke, and it worked. And they took care of it." But I'm not sure how like canonical it is when somebody from the show says, "Like, well, I I think it would have been." this but they had a couple of different answers on that where they said both of them said do you know how painting pigments are made and apparently some colors are made by using gemstones so they were kind of implying i don't know that this is a canonical answer but they were implying that those paints were made out of gems and so i guess it's a gem monster (laughs) i wouldn't have figured that out so pretty creepy though it, it turned into smoke and we haven't we haven't really seen anything quite like that before uh, well i think it seemed to me it was possessing the smoke as its first attempt at a new form and the, mm-hmm. the smoke was just the smoke from trying to burn it and that's why garnet was trying to 
do something which presumably would have extinguished the smoke or contained it or something. But mm-hmm. then yeah, in a bubble. Stephen piped up and hmm. whoop, it said, okay, I can be a smoke monster now. Yeah, he did not have the ability to read a room. Yeah, it wasn't his best day, this one. He was very much overriding a lot of reasoning skills of his need for together breakfast. Yeah. Yep. No, she, Garnet was putting a bubble around that. Um, you've seen her do the bubble in the first episode, so I guess that's the second time you see her do a bubble. Yeah, so I wasn't sure if the bubble was just going to contain the smoke or if she'd, like, shrink the bubble down and down until she squished it out of existence or if she has more powers we are not yeah. yet privy to. It really, it really seemed like she was actively trying to hold it in this bubble, which was kind of weird. Yeah, so whatever she's doing, it's always just something that takes finesse or concentration. Yep. And Stephen destroyed it. And Stephen could have noticed that even Amethyst is whispering and saying, no, we've got to get out of here now. Yeah. If Amethyst is behaving, that is a good clue for how serious this is. I think when they ran into that room and it was the crystal heart and Amethyst is like, wait a second. (laughs) Even she was like, be cautious. Well, contrast her and Pearl when Stephen first came into their rooms, chambers. Oh, yeah. Pearl was like, you cannot even be in a temple. It's too dangerous. Amethyst is, yep. oh, hey, Stephen. Yeah, did you come down the waterfall? <laughs> I'm going to throw you in the junk pile. <laughs> so cute. I really liked that. They fe- it felt very siblingy to me. Yeah, I, that of the interaction so far, that was the most sort of sibling playing thing and definitely posited yeah. her uh, Amethyst as her apparent age. Her The age we read her as is pretty close to Stephen's, even if she is yeah. in actuality hundreds or thousands of years old. Yeah, and she, she chased him down the hallway like a big sister, being like, oh, gimme, gimme, mm. I'm going to eat it. We yeah. both have short legs. <laughs> <laughs> I like. There are some great lines in this one with Garnet's deadpan, it has all the power of breakfast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they really do that very well with using her to deliver those kinds of lines. As long as they don't do it too much, it, it's always a hit. It's always a laugh. So <laughs> I liked when Amethyst first came in and she looked like a big purple police officer. <laughs> that was another sibling moment. She said, dumb police, you're dumb. <laughs> and shot him with the water gun. That's that's new information too. Amethyst is a shapeshifter. Yeah, at first I was like, what is it? Is this some random gem person? Oh, wait, he's light purple <laughs> and has a thing on his chest. Oh, hang on. Yep. Yeah, and then she gets her own head back but keeps the body. That was really weird. <laughs> Until Pearl came out with the sword, came out of her room, and she went back to herself. But, and you're reminded um, just how short she is because she almost halves in size when she goes from police mode to amethyst mode. Yeah, that was an interesting casual reveal, I thought, too, is that Stephen is very, he's very concerned about the integrity of his breakfast, that she's going to shoot his breakfast, but he's not reacting at all, like, to when she changes back to herself, and he's like, I knew it was you. <laughs> it's a nice check of if that ability is going to come in handy later. It's been mm-hmm. laid down in a not overly expositional manner that she can do this. It also means mm-hmm. if this comes in handy in an actual plot point later on, people are going to go, mm-hmm. wait, you never told us she could shapeshift. What's this? Yeah. I remember reading a reaction from someone once uh, saying that he hates, I hate when you introduce a shapeshifter because then you're always going to be asking, why didn't they just shapeshift and fix the problem? Like, mm-hmm. if you can shapeshift, if you can 
be a different size or whatever, like that can solve a lot of problems. So they were expecting there to be more stuff popping up where they would just ignore that she could do that. So, Well, so far um, we don't know if there are parameters (laughs) to her shape-shifting. That's right. Yeah, they haven't really showed us anything except that she could be a purple police guy. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, we don't know if she's stuck being purple, if she can only make herself so large or so small. So... That is true. There's there's rules to find out, but we've opened the door on the shape-shifting thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool that she used it to mess with Steven. Yeah, <laughs> of course, of course she did. That's so her. <laughs> I like it. Mm. So the breakfast itself was junk. <laughs> uh, it seems like at least the bagel sandwiches seemed fairly nutritious, but he eats a lot of junk, and that's exactly what you would expect a child to do if they yeah. were left to fend for themselves in the kitchen. I'm just going to pile a bunch of stuff. It's not bad except for the popcorn. It's made it a little weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've seen him make a, the occasional check himself in regards to food, but I guess the temptation of having a together breakfast was just too much for him. Yep. And as you uh, noted earlier, yes, of course, my, my confection of the day was together breakfast. So <laughs> far I've had a chance in all four, all of the episodes that we've done four plus the pilot, there was some kind of food to make. So this one looks fairly straightforward to make. Mm-hmm. It was waffles, yeah. whipped cream, maple syrup or chocolate sauce. I couldn't tell which uh, strawberry and the popcorn. Yep, as you say, it's weird, but not hard to get a hold of. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, when they see him starting to like put the popcorn on there, they're like, oh no, ew, gross. But you know, salty and sweet goes together pretty well. So I, I can say from experience, I'm, I, I think, uh, gosh, how many times have I done this? I've made, let's just say I've made many together breakfasts. I have done this with several different people and for de- several different occasions. Well, they, they sell popcorn with sweet flavors on it. So, you know. Yes, they do. It, 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 there used to be a, a stall at one of the local shopping malls, which actually had a whole array of different flavored popcorns, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can get caramel corn. Mm-hmm. I guess devoting the whole store to it's a bit too niche for the locals because it's gone uh-huh. now. Yeah. So, but yeah, as you said, you know, it's not, it, he basically, he shows you how to assemble it. So it's not a complicated recipe for those at home who would like to make their own, but you know, stack your waffles on a plate after you toast them. The syrup comes next. And I would actually also say that I couldn't tell if it was chocolate sauce or syrup, but I, I assume it's syrup, but I have actually done both. After you do the syrup, you knock on the doors and try to, you know, get your guardians to eat with you and proceed when ignored. <laughs> Pop the popcorn. It looked like he popped way too much because then when he squeezed it out, there was like 10 kernels. I don't, I don't know where that came from. It was much more in, on the Mark II version. It was smothered in it. Yes, yes. After your popcorn, you want to perform an optimistic ritual to see if anybody's <laughs> home. Hello. Well, apparently you've got to do that between each step. Yes, absolutely. And you do the whipped cream and then tell the breakfast it's out of control and then dubstep strawberry. <laughs> and then, you know, try to eat it before it becomes a monster. I have also made the big one. So for that, it's just double waffles. Just more waffles, more cream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked like it was like two stacks. It was like the same thing, but two stacks, and then you dump more popcorn all over. Weirdly, the only real barrier to authenticity here would be that most waffles are square instead of round. Really? Where you are, they have mostly square ones? Yeah. Oh, because the very, very, 
Oh, okay. Very, very popular brand that's sold just about everywhere here, as far as I know, is is round. You can get either one, but like the Eggo waffle brand sells them in, ra- in round um, frozen waffles. And I've heard of I that also... one because of Stranger Things. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. They make a really interesting Eggo waffle where it, it's like there's four miniature ones all connected together in like one sheet that you can put in a toaster. Um, but there are four little ones that you can break up. And for my uh, party that I had for the Steven Universe movie, I put out like a container of those on ice so that people could toast their own waffles. And I had an assembly bar to make your own together breakfast. <laughs> awesome. And I, I pasted like pictures onto the wall so that you could have assembly instructions, minus all the yelling at guardians. So I was very excited that several people went and did it and wanted to show me their creations of their of their little mini together breakfasts. It was delicious. It was really fun. <laughs> maybe I need guinea pigs to try this stuff at this end. Ah, maybe, yeah. Maybe I need to recruit people to try things like together breakfasts and, okay, yeah. bagel sandwiches are pretty straightforward, but. Yeah. Uh, and dog nuts. I've, yeah. I think we're off air when I said this the first time, but one of my partners on Podsploitation November saw Ivy's picture of a dog nut and she was struck, I suppose would be the word. <laughs> Well, in a good way or a bad way? <laughs> a bit of both, I think. <laughs> I think that's appropriate. <laughs> I think stunned like... would really just sum it up. <laughs> I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at least everything that I've showed you so far has been food. <laughs> that will not always be the case, but I can't go into more detail. <laughs> yeah, so, so far, everything we've seen has been, you know, at least in a reasonable range of regular food. Yeah. There's been nothing that's a, a made-up ingredient or so so hugely obscure to be not worth thinking about. Yeah. I might push the envelope a little bit next time. <laughs> but yeah, I think most, if not all, of these things, I could just raid the local supermarket and or shopping centre for a few things and yeah. have most, if not all, of the ingredients we've seen so far. Yeah. I think the hardest one to replicate would be cookie cats because of the specialized shape. Yeah. That would take the most engineering effect. That's less a matter of the ingredient is getting the shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I struggled with too, until I bought a 3D printed <laughs> cookie cat cutter. So other than that, it's just an ice cream sandwich. So yeah. You know. I remember last time I was foolish enough to say ice cream sandwiches weren't much of a thing here at the grocery store the other day. And the frozen thing was just full of ice cream sandwiches. So apparently I just don't know anything about ice cream sandwiches in this country. <laughs> well, you got educated. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling a lot of the comments we'll get from anyone in Australia, in this country will be after I've said, Oh, we have this year. Or we don't have this year. They'll say, Oh, of course we have this. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Um, sometimes I get that too, because I'm not, I'm not all that worldly. And I also live in Florida, which is a weird sort of, I try to explain Florida to people who don't live on this continent. And it's very hard to explain because it's so southerly in the United States, but it's not what we call the South. Yeah. So there are several states north of us, hundreds of miles north of us that are more the South than we are just culturally. And Florida is this no man's land where everything from the accents to the food that we eat is atypical based on kind of our location. So just depending on where in Florida you are, Northern Florida is Georgia and Central Florida is Disney World and Southern Florida is Cuba and Puerto Rico. So (laughs) it's just, we, we, we have a native Floridian culture, but it's not even the dominant one. So uh, a lot of the food that 
you see around here is just, you can only really see it in that format here. And I think the rest of the United States sometimes might say that's not a thing here, but it's a thing here. (laughs) Of course, the rest of us have heard of Florida man. Yes, that is not an exaggeration. Florida is that weird. However, I think it might be a little bit exaggerated because I've, I've heard that we have much more relaxed crime reporting laws. Yeah, so aware of that too. more weird stuff gets out there and people in other states are protected from their weirdness getting out. So we just let it all hang out here. <laughs> but it is a very weird state. Well, the stereotype on television, on American television, is, is that it's where people retire to. Yes. Mm-hmm. I went to Japan you know, years and years ago because my sister was teaching there. And as an experiment, she brought us into her class to let them interview us, which is always funny, you know, high school kids getting to interview foreigners. And um, one of them asked a question about what is Florida known for? And my mom was there too. She says, well, Disney World and old people. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, my grandparents retired here and uh, on both sides, my dad's parents and my mom's parents retired here. So it is not without reason that people say that about Florida. I don't think we have a local place that's known for that. I think people just retire to coasts here, mm-hmm. of which yeah. you know we've got, we've got a lot of. The place mm-hmm. where I live is known for politicians because it was originally created to be the, where we're going to keep the capital city. Mm-hmm. A bit like DC, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just have oh. decent weather here. Someone's still going to write in and tell me, oh, no, the ACT is nothing like the District of Columbia because this and this and this and this, and I'm just going to go on. <laughs> yeah, we'll be talking about cartoons for 99% of what we talk about, but the, the comments will all focus on a one-off comment that's off topic. <laughs> well, that's how you get comments. You get something wrong. Yes, that is absolutely right. You get people to pay attention so that they will correct you. <laughs> I wonder what I'll say that's factually wrong, that somebody who somehow manages to be a bigger Steven Universe nerd than me will correct me on. <laughs> I, I admit it could happen. I have, I have been wrong or misinformed about things before. I, I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to know because you've seen a hundred and something more episodes than I have. Yes, and maybe seen them a hundred something times. Yeah. No. <laughs> I have no idea how many times I've seen them. Yeah, I have shows like that where... I could just not tell someone how often I've watched it. I really don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what else do I have to say about it? Let's see. Speaking of, I guess, facts, I could share a couple of factoids that I have. This one had the same storyboarders as last time, which was Ian jones Cordy and Rebecca Sugar, but they also added this fella named Paul Vallecco, and he is the one who is responsible for that amazing face that Stephen made after Garnet did not laugh at his joke. <laughs> He says, a balanced breakfast? And she just looks at him and then he makes this face that's just like. <laughs> yeah, that was the thumbnail that came up on my iPad. Was, was it? Face. Yes. Oh my goodness. I wonder why it does that. That's hilarious. Yeah, it could, it could hardly know that because it's just a file and I don't think you put cover art on it or anything. So No. I mean, unless the metadata or whatever because the thing is it's a famous steven face it's used for mm. memes constantly and just people still use that to be like ah, what the hell is going on kind of face um or for many other reasons but that was drawn by mr paul Vallecco, and <laughs> paul faces will continue to be a source of hilarity in this cartoon Paul um, faces i think that term will stick around Maybe. Um, I'm not really an expert on what fits with each storyboarder's style, but I do 
I do know some things that are that are uh, bandied about when we talk about it, and I do know that's a Paul face, and um, also that there were there were a few more weird off model things like amethyst running down the hallway looked real creepy and strange um which uh i guess is is more springy cartoon stuff by mr ian jones cordy so um yeah the the art style is very springy (laughs) the quote unquote lighting in that also made everyone look a bit creepy yeah yeah that was a very strange sequence i thought it was it was really wacky like it it made it feel like the the show was definitely not a serious show at all that they're running upside down and they're falling down waterfalls that don't obey physics and all that um it's fun but it made me think like ah it's a wacky cartoon you know um so that is the impression that it gave and it it kind of goes along with what um some people talk about they complain about the com- the commercials for the show which i didn't really see uh, made it seem like another random humor kind of kids show. And so many people who started to hear about it later about what a, what a great show it was with social commentary and important messages were surprised to see that that's how it was marketed. Right. Yeah. Let's see. Um, We don't really have, again, any music to speak of except for background stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Which was effective, but there's not really a song. Yep. Yeah. um, We had the dubstep strawberry (laughs) <laughs> and then suddenly switches gears to the, to the dropping the strawberry. That's the name of it. Actually, the track is called "Drop the Strawberry." Like drop the <laughs> drop the bass or drop the beat. <laughs> it's drop the strawberry. Um, we had some I'm just cool calling it scratch of- because apparently I need the world to know that I'm over forty. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yeah, I mean that's legit. So we had a kind of cool, like atmospheric piano music in the background of Pearl's Pearl's room. It's called Pearl's Theme. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I downloaded a lot of the the background music for you know when it was available to be able to listen to and uh, see was there oh yeah the the wacky one that was playing when Stephen was running away from Amethyst was actually called Gimme Gimme <laughs> <laughs> which is appropriate <laughs> yeah that sums up her facial expression perfectly actually that yeah. Gimme Gimme, gimme. <laughs> yes. That is true. Yeah. I think I was supposed to try to think of a, a provocative question for you for this one. How about um, if we saw a room in the temple for Stephen, what do you think it would be like? Hmm. I could take a couple of thoughts on that. One is it could be that the rooms develop around their, the occupants. So Stephen's would, Stephen's would first be featureless because he's not been in there before. Hmm. And develop such things it would probably actually be quite like quite like an earthly room very much a sort of kid's idea of an awesome bedroom sort of thing mm, yeah unless it's just uh, it could also be currently tuned to his gem and reflect his mother's tastes mm-hmm. so i don't know how these things are you know if it's gem by gem or holder by holder or mm-hmm. how they come about but yeah, that's, that's right. A lot of this is based on kind of not having all the information yet. <laughs> but yeah, that would be my, my two main guesses that because it would, it would take some doing to make the rooms as they are. So I'm guessing that as each one occupies it for longer, either in practice or by some kind of gem magic, it becomes what they want or need or feel most at home with. Because mm-hmm. even the rooms we saw, even if they were stripped of all of what was actually in them, they'd still be very different rooms. Mm-hmm. Pearls was very open with lots of space for her waterfalls. Amethyst, as you noted, had geodes and bits of rock and crystal around the place still. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And Garnet's was pretty businesslike, and the only thing we could actually see, apart from a few crystals in the walls, were the stuff she was actually using. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seemed like hers was at the bottom, which made it seem very like bedrock, like ah, yeah, very a little bit scary. Um, it it uh, I I kind of don't want to say this, but it just it made me think when he was falling down there the first time I saw it, I'm like he's gonna end up in hell, and then he like shows up there, and there's fire and garnets there, and it looks very like hellscape looking, and yeah. it, it freaked me out a little bit. I'm like, oh my gosh, and they're in this place where they they telling him to be quiet, and it's very serious. It's like yeah. kind of creepy, kind of demonic almost. Yeah. And assuming dimensions in their work, anything like they do in the regular world, I suppose that would be placing pearls, if not the top, then certainly higher than a lot of other things if he's falling down waterfalls to end up in various places. So he very much took yeah. a high mm-hmm. to low trip there. Again, we do That's, see some yeah. dimensional weirdness, so we don't know if you know if he'd if he'd fallen beyond garnets if he'd you know ended up back at the top of pearls again or something. Right. You don't know if it actually obeys like Euclidean geometry or whatever, but um, that's the impression that I got too, is that uh, like, it seemed like if the waterfall is always making Pearl's possessions fall into Amethyst's room, it must be above hers somehow, like all the time, or at least enough of the time that water can take stuff away. Like, all right, Pearl, like if you're always losing your swords down the waterfall, maybe you should not throw them in the water. I don't know how she might, keeps track of her stuff. Which might mean that the reason she keeps accusing Amethyst of taking them, even though it seems they're just falling, is she doesn't want to admit that her system is flawed and makes her stuff fall into her fellow gem's room. So she just accuses her of taking it. So she projects the blame for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does seem that Amethyst doesn't bother to bring them back afterwards, but that's another question. Yeah. I think that's just her right. not bothering. Like, when is she going to notice the sword in like all that junk? And- and even mm-hmm. if she does, she, you know, we can already tell she's not terribly diligent. Yeah. She's going to forget. She's going to forget to take it back as soon as she looks at the next thing. Oh sure, yeah. And she probably gets a certain amount of uh, pleasure from the idea that she's pissing Pearl off by, you know, aggravating her and taking her stuff. That too. You know, <laughs> even if she didn't deliberately take it, she's just like she probably likes the idea that Pearl is angry that she can't find her stuff. <laughs> just as angry as she got when Pearl went in there and cleaned up and she was like, you did what? So they're both possessive of their space, which makes sense. They just have different ways of showing it. Mm, Let's see. So um, in the, in the previous episode, we saw Pearl do the the projection thing. And then in this episode, we saw that Amethyst shapeshifted. So I'm, I'm thinking, um, uh, was there anything else kind of new that we saw? Um, I guess the one thing that some people were talking about is that like, oh, the gems are fighting this monster that's become his breakfast. They're they're fighting it and they're having a hard time. But then Steven just kind of like pushes it into the fire and it's like, wow, he's a strong little kid. He's actually stronger mm. than he seems. Um, and maybe he's just not as strong as they are, but that's very, very, uh, some brute, brute strength there that he was able to shove that thing in there. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that as it, as he deals with later made, not made of breakfast creatures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really seem like, and it, it's hard to tell also whether that's just like a cartoon thing mm. or, you know, whether that's like that they're trying to show us something. So um, that's the problem with uh, some kinds of cartoons. It's like, is this 
Or are you actually telling us the thing that you seem to be telling us or, you know, or is this cartoon physics? <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked before about character size being fairly flexible. And we yep. even saw some of this when Stephen was bouncing around the kitchen, that he was actually incredibly short when he was stropping across the bench because he had to mm-hmm. be no taller than the bench was wide. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Let's see. All right. Um, hmm. Oh, oh, I haven't showed you my merchandise yet. No, you have not. And you should I go there or should we talk more about anything else that is dangling? <laughs> let's, let's, let's see the merch now. You've seeded it? Yes. Okay. Um, so I couldn't really actually think of anything that was directly related. So I'm just kind of stretching it a little bit and thinking, okay, what kind of merchandise could I sort of relate to this? So since this was breakfast and it was, you know, Steven in the kitchen and stuff, I decided to bring out something that was at least related to mealtime. Okay. And this is my Steven Universe lunchbox. Ah, of course. We knew there would be one. The same on both sides. Yes. Oh, and it's embossed always, the looks of things? Yeah. I always loved these when I was a kid, like the, the tin ones, because I always had like plastic ones and I thought it was fancy that people had metal ones. It does not have any kind of special inside, but you can't wash these too much or they can get rusty. So Yeah, I've seen some cheaper ones that washing can also rub off the artwork. Mm-hmm. So I just use mine to collect... To have collectibles inside. Mm. And that is my Steven Universe lunchbox cool. with a cute little image of the four gems doing their their poses. And uh, Steven the, with the with the mouth, which has become the most recognizable sort of art signature for me. Mm-hmm. On the side, it's a different pose, I just realized. So oh, yeah. I like that one, actually. I like that one better than the face one. Yeah. I think it's all stock art that they just stacked on top of each other because I always see these same poses. Yeah, well, I know in one of the Transformers series, in a book they put out, they showed, oh, here are a bunch of images we send to licensees to put on products, and they just pick and choose what they want what they want to do. So I, I imagine Cartoon Network do something similar. And in fact, it mm-hmm. was Cartoon Network at the time. So yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've used these same renders on a lot of uh, a lot of just stock stuff like buttons and t-shirts and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And uh decorating calendars and things like that. Um, just started to see the same, like, six images. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Doctor Who also does a similar thing. I wanted, very much wanted merchandise of the new Doctor, but it was just the same two or three pictures of her on absolutely everything, and I wasn't even that fond of those. Oh, yeah. There's, um, there's some stuff that's come out recently associated with um, the movie that I just don't really like the art that they've put on the t-shirts and everything. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll post pictures of my t-shirt collection and, you know, people mostly like little kids, they'll come in like, I have a shirt you don't have. And I'm like, yeah, that's just because I don't really like that design. And I don't really like the way they put this characters and stuff like that. So, um, people are getting excited thinking that I don't know about a shirt. I'm like, I've seen it. I just don't like it. (laughs) I'm, I mean, if I owned it, I would wear it. But, you know, you have to, when you collect more than 50 t-shirts, you have to start being a little more reasonable. <laughs> Just only buy one when you really like it. Yeah, I was the same with Doctor Who stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I, used really? to get, I used to get every single one mm-hmm. of the books, but when they started to become several a month, like, so, I mean, look, I'm not going to be able to get to read these and they might not even all be that good. So, 
Oh, they have, they have, are they canonical? Uh, they, the BBC have this weird, we won't actually sit down and say what canon is thing. Mm. So, I mean, some are obviously not just because they've got things wrong, but ah. they, but they don't like to say, partly it's a rule about using a license fee, but partly I think they just don't want to go down that alley of saying, well, this, this counts and this doesn't and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, plus if they leave it dubious, then people will buy it. Whereas if they say this actually isn't canon, then some people will be less interested. It's been going on long enough that you could almost argue that bits of the TV series are or are not canon. So I see. It's been going on since before people cared about that sort of thing. Yeah. And I mean, that one has so much history. Yeah. Um, And I've, I've seen like really, really big science fiction franchises. People care a lot about is you know, is the supplementary material actually part of the series or not? Is it related, but not, you know, can I take information from this and incorporate it into my understanding of the main content? And that's, that's, that's a big problem for science fiction nerds because we're nerds. Mm. (laughs) You have the Star Wars novels and the Star Trek novels and stuff like that. It's like, all right, are you saying this happened or not? Is it, essentially fan fiction or not. <laughs> and some of them have got tiered canon where some things are more and less canon than others. Mm, mm-hmm. That uh, that was something we dealt with in this fandom too, although it is only seven to eight years old. Um, so uh, there are comic books. And at the beginning, toward the beginning, a series of just eight books came out in 2014, 2015. Um, they released a series of eight comic books monthly and they, uh, they were not plotty at all. They just kind of had slice of life kind of stuff for the most part. But of course you can't avoid, um, sometimes inventing stuff and does this really exist? Will this be referenced later? And, uh, one of the, one of the fellows who worked on this episode on Together Breakfast, um, again, Ian Jones Cordy, he, made a statement about this on Twitter. People were saying, Hey, is this canon? He says, well, they're level two canon. (laughs) And and, uh, that was expressed as basically it is, you can assume that it's canon until or unless it contradicts the TV show. And yeah, uh, that's usually a rule of thumb. A lot of them have. Yeah. So um, people were taking that as, you know, as word of God, essentially. Um, so, and there wasn't very much that had an opportunity to to contradict what we had seen at that point. I mean, up to 2015, it, it hadn't even had the end of the first season yet, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but we, uh, there were a couple of things like, um, you know, this, this is all outside of the canon of the show that's not spoken in there. So I'm not really like spoiling anything by saying this, but they were, they were, having a discussion saying that traditional holidays that we know about don't exist in the Steven universe world. And it's never been expressed like in the show itself, but this is something the creators have said, but then in the comics they reference Halloween. So it's like, Oh, well, I guess that's not Canon. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) it's just a one off thing. But anyway, like years later, um, I guess it became more important because more mysteries were developing and people were trying to use comic stuff to hint it. Like, is this a hint? And is this information we didn't have? And can we assume this is true? And um, the same guy got on Twitter and he's like, yeah, that really only kind of applied to the first series. Like since then, we've had even less involvement. We don't know what they're doing. Um, They're still official merchandise, but they do not inform 
the canon of the cartoon. They are not working with us on that, and we are not disclosing it to them. So it's they're derived from what is already out there. Um, and a lot of people just had a cow over that. They were flipping out because they wanted certain things to be true. <laughs> and they can't, they can't assume that it is anymore. I'm like, come on, you know, you can still write fan fiction. It's okay. <laughs> but it must be hard from the comic maker's end too, especially if you're dealing with an ongoing series that mm-hmm. you're going to say, is this going to be just wiped out by the actual program by the time this gets to the stands? And especially if they've got yeah. a, a continuing plot because then it starts to feel, oh, this doesn't really go anywhere in the story. Right. Yeah. Um, gosh, can I talk about this without making any references? Okay. So there was a mini series where there was a gem artifact that had a particular shape to it that was very distinctive. And then they released the trailer of the movie, which was not to come out for like a year and a half or something at that point. Mm -hmm. And it also referenced a similar shaped gem. And they were like, maybe there's a connection and there was no connection. And I told, Mm -hmm. I told people like, there's, there's no way they're going to do this. And as time went on, there were things that were lost or broken or things that were specifically like this couldn't happen after this point in the show. There's no way that is going to happen. And I just had these real stupid arguments with people like, well, they could change that. Well, how about you just accept that the people who wrote this comic don't know anything about what's going on in the TV series. They're just writing with what they know, which is what we know. Um, So it's not, I don't want to say like, oh, that's glorified fan fiction because that's not how I feel about it. It's a licensed product that they trusted these talented writers and artists with their material to create something that the rest of us would respond to. It's great. But you no, they're not they're not secretly revealing information in the mm-hmm. comics that we're gonna find out is canon later that's backwards. <laughs> yeah, like Re- Rebecca Sugar doesn't want to get halfway to season three and go, Oh, we can't use this plot because the comic book from <laughs> the start of this the series said that Stephen was allergic to hats or something. Yes, yeah, exactly that. Like, no, that library was destroyed. It's like, wait, we don't have a library. Wait a second. So it's uh it's uh, it's definitely, I think, like that, that they, they have enough tangled webs to deal with, trying yeah, I, to deal with the canon of their own series. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about Stephen Universe, but there are Doctor Who works that they do a thing of trying to fit it all together, but are written with a caveat all the way through of, this is us messing about as fans because these were never meant to fit together. Mm-hmm. We found a way because it pleases our fanishness, but we're not writing these as such and such a canon level makes something a better story, et cetera, et cetera. We know that the people out there with Jodie Whittaker now in 2019, you know, the idea there would be a Doctor Who 2019 in 1963, which is something that people didn't think. (laughs) Of course, yeah. (laughs) That's a good comparison, even though we're dealing with something now that is less than 10 years old. So I kind of shudder to think what kind of... uh, developments may happen in 20 years but uh <laughs> i hope i'm still interested in that <laughs> when that comes out and i'll be like you know in my day <laughs> when we sat here and waited for these hiatuses <laughs> we just ate together breakfast and tried to get through it ah <laughs> oh uh, well, i mean i don't mind a bit of finnish nonsense but when people start getting cross about it and stuff yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, we're, we're all here to enjoy a good story. And uh, when it stops being fun, it stops being fun. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know. I don't. I don't want to whine too much about the fandom because I mean everybody complains about the fandom, but I, I feel like for the most part, it's it's a great place to have fun and discuss your ideas and celebrate your favorite characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm so. sure I'm sure way down the line when I can look at such things or find all sorts of fan made things that I do enjoy or find interesting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, it would be extremely dangerous right now for you to go to any Steven Universe related page but uh, oh yeah I don't even look at uh, Wikipedia yeah I know we had talked about how that's gonna that would just everything about even the design of that place would probably spoil you Um, although at this point still I think you wouldn't have context for a lot of stuff that you would see Hmm. but I went to an old um, forum recently I'm still reading through some of the stuff I went to an old forum that people were posting their reactions for the show as it went on and it's sequential. And I was just kind of peeking back at some of that thinking like, this is kind of where we are in the series for your perspective would have been similar to these people's perspective. Um, Some of them have said some of the same things you've said about like mysteries regarding that door (laughs) and trying to figure stuff out right here at the beginning. What are the rules? Trying to figure out what's going on with uh, the monsters that they're fighting and, who are these characters? And somebody said the same thing you said about the, the Freudian uh, representations. Ooh. And uh, I think it's just cool. I think it's it's so much easier to see these things looking back from the perspective like mine. But it's yeah. it's just cool to it's it's rewarding to see see it in development and see that some of the same things are being said. It's great. <laughs> it's that kind of show. <laughs> and as an aside, it's good to have kind of our digressions into talking about uh, fandom in general and stuff here at the beginning when, when there's less mysteries and mm-hmm. plot stuff to talk about even. So I'm glad that we have some substance here to discuss. It also means, <laughs> even apart from spoilers, it means that fandom opinions won't sort of imprint on me. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to avoid doing too much of that myself, even with some of the questions that I'm asking. Like, I want to know what you think, but uh, I hope that by asking them, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying, yes, there is an answer to this necessarily when I ask a question. Um, of course, in a lot of cases, you know that probably we're going to see them cry, for instance. But um. yeah. but I'm thinking, like, even if I found a forum now, which only went up to episode four, sort of, I'd, I'd still pick up things from other opinions, such as if someone went, have you noticed that every week Pearl does this? And I don't think that that would, that would leak into my opinion, whether I meant it to or not. Mm. So if I, if I remain clean, both in spoilers and other perspectives mm-hmm. and be quote unquote pure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've, I mean, I've already heard you say some things that I haven't seen other people discussing. So I'm, I'm already getting out of it what I wanted to get out of it. It's, Oh, is a is awesome. a wonderful fresh perspective from you know from somebody who is not just parroting what everybody else is already saying. I and like I've that. Got, and I've got no sense of this is the episode that introduces X. This is the episode where Y happens, which is mm-hmm. a, often a problem with, with established things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, some people who start watching it kind of on their own and do live blogging and stuff. Sometimes they'll, they'll get it in a format where they also get to read the episode description. And I think even that is a bad idea. I mean, you get the, the title and that's about it. I mean, so. it, it kind of bugs me just to 
go back here again, that a lot of the classic Doctor Who DVDs, the blurb on the back is basically written as if they're talking to people who already know all the stuff from the past however many years. So, so it's like, this is the one where new character X comes in and this features a surprise return of this and this character oh. dies. It's like, but, but mm. what if I want to show it to new people? What if you want to right. show it to new people and sell it and make money from the new people? Yeah. Who, who is your audience here? And, you know, just, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, sometimes even like um, people who do live blogging on Tumblr and stuff, when they don't have somebody screening all of their their comments and their reblogs and stuff like that. Um, you'll have people like being able to sense that something big is about to happen. They're like, like suddenly they get like 80 people being like, I'm so excited for you to see this episode. And, you know, to be honest, I don't, I don't even want to tell you like before we watch it, like I really love this one or I, this is one of my least favorite ones. I don't, I don't even want to like poison the well like that, you know? I don't want to tell you what I think of it until afterwards. <laughs> That's why I think it's a good thing to do what you suggested earlier, that if we get any comments and such that you get to screen them or mm-hmm. discard them or whatever them. Yeah. Well, I mean, if somebody is in there straight up saying spoilery things, like you can have conversations about this show anywhere. You don't have to do it in my YouTube comments. So keep the spoilers out of this. <laughs> yeah, well, I, put so. a, I put a note to that on the, the Facebook thing I put on my own page. Mm-hmm. But most yeah. most of my friends know how spoiler phobic I am about in general. So let's mm-hmm. learn something or I'm trying to be as, as unspoiled as possible. So that'll be good. Yeah. There there was uh, the one thread where I comment on that saying like, I hope, I hope that no one spoils her. Um, but somebody in the thread had already said something I wished that they hadn't. So <laughs> like, uh, 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 uh. unfortunately, if, <laughs> If I saw that, it, it, it bounced off for lack of context. So That's why I didn't say like, hey, don't say that. So, because um, I didn't want to be like drawing attention, like let's just put a neon sign on what I don't want her to look at. But, you know, it's just um, some, I guess some people don't realize kind of what they're implying when they, when they just say one thing. And it's, it's kind of the same as um, the Cartoon Network execs who put together the promos and stuff, they don't realize how much they're telling us with one little flash of this person wearing these clothes. So (laughs) I don't know. But then there's also room for misinterpretation. Like, I mean, if you were to Google something, you may see something going like, oh, now I know X is going to happen, but you might not realize that's a fan design (laughs) or something. So it could be stuff like that. I might just not understand the meaning that something has been given between where Mm -hmm. I'm up to and where that was written. Right. Yeah. Um, sometimes the the people who make the show, the Crooniverse, is which is what they call themselves, is um, they they are giant trolls, and so they will deliberately give their episodes sort of trollish titles so that we think really big episodes are mm. are nothing, and then that little nothing episodes are uh, are big ones. There there was one where there was a episode description was we finally see inside Stephen's bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, really? That's what you said for that episode. Kudos to that. But you don't where this big thing happens. Um, And uh, what was another thing? Oh, they they do this thing. I don't know if you've heard of, if I've mentioned this to you before. They do something called a Stephen Bomb, um, which would be just a marathon. Mm -hmm. And um, 
when they did it the first time, they called it Stephen Bomb. And then when they did it again, Stephen Bomb 2, Stephen Bomb 3. And for Stephen Bomb 3, they gave it a subtitle, which included a gemstone name that we had never heard of. And so everybody was trying to speculate, oh, who or what is that? And I was like, was it wise of them to do that? Was it wise of them to give us a stone name and have us like freaking out trying to figure out what it is? Or like, was that cool? <laughs> um, and everybody's just like, this stone is this color. So therefore it's this. And <laughs> it's just like, wow, we're all detectives. Uh, I mean, I, I did it too. <laughs> like texting furiously with my friend and I'm in a motel in Canada and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> so that was my experience of that. <laughs> yeah. I've seen ones where creators have issued f- fake content, fake trailers. Oh even, yeah. Even what the walking dead people did, the comic people, not the TV people was that comic series has actually ended now, but they ended it completely by surprise by putting fake solicitations out for the, for a number of issues after what turned out to be the final one. So he didn't know it was the last one until he picked it up and read it. Wow. Oh, that was kind of, that's kind of clever, but it's also mean. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, that's that's clever. I mean, that you, people won't see the ending coming. Yeah, quite mm. literally, because they're going, well, whatever happens here, we know there's at least three more. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, um, hmm. What was it? Um, so I was listening to an interview that Rebecca Sugar gave a while back. And um, let's see. Um, you know, she was talking about how um, you don't want to have, uh, you don't want to convey too much with, uh, oh, somebody suggested voice over would, would make um, everybody assume that that character lived. <laughs> it wasn't for Steven Universe. Well, I don't even remember the context now, but she was she was part of the interview and they were talking about some other show where they 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 pulled oh, you know what? Um now I think that I I mixed it up with something else because now this is this is telling me it's um uh the beginning of uh was it Megamind or something like that? Gosh, but it, it originally didn't, it originally started with a voiceover and instead they decided to take that back out. And uh, now I'm mixing up kind of where I heard all of these things, but it's very smart to say um, like what you're conveying to someone just by the format of something is very important. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's, it's true. You can, you can glean a lot of information from like knowing that the first season is this many episodes. So you assume that there won't be a climax until X, Y, Z happens, but. Yeah. TV um, tropes cause it spoiled by the format. Well, that's very descriptive of what is going on. Um, And I suppose (laughs) it must be one of the oldest ones because that certainly applies to, to books, to, to novels, because you can see in your hand that if there's a lot of, or only a few pages left. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's probably not going to just jump into um, a different character's perspective because that person died or something. So you know they're going to live if they're the first person protagonist and there isn't a second one and there isn't an afterlife in the show, <laughs> in the book. <laughs> it's true. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, we've got we've got Steven's perspective as the vehicle of everything that we have in the show. So you assume he's going to live, but uh, you, know, you also assume that they're not going to kill a, a, a child protagonist on TV. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that'd be pretty out there in for a show like this. Mm, yeah, I think so. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, death is a big thing. Like with with um, would they really 
cross that line and kill XYZ. And then as soon as you kill somebody that you never thought they would kill, um, it's on the table for anyone. So yeah. to decide if you're a, an, an artist or an author who kills people. <laughs> so now I want to see like 12 blogs about this is why Steven Universe should die. <laughs> well, you know, there are people out there. I mean, you might literally know there are people out there who are writing essays saying that why Steven Universe himself is the worst part of Steven Universe and he shouldn't be in it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, that, that is a common um, opinion toward the beginning of the show is that Steven is annoying and everything else is more interesting than him or that tying the show to his perspective is a mistake because we already know what annoying little kids are like. So, you know, but I think, I think it's what really makes things interesting because it's also what makes it relatable is that. Also, Stephen has also been the chaotic element for a few episodes. It actually makes things happen. Mm -hmm. It's true. In Together Breakfast, if he hadn't been running around trying to create breakfast, then the gems would have had a brief spat about being in each other's rooms. Garnet would have tucked the monster away or burnt it or whatever she was going to end up doing. And yeah, that, that would, you know, job done. Mm-hmm. And there's probably plenty of other adventures they've been on that were like that. And that's why they were off stage. <laughs> Very simple gem missions. So they probably mostly go according to plan, but who knows? Maybe they've sunk a few sea spires. <laughs> like I said, they've got a, they've got a thousand years on them and that's, that's going to give you a lot of perspective mm-hmm. or at least a thousand years. Cause they said they've been protecting the world for a thousand years. We don't know if they were doing something else before that. Although that was a statement in the pilot. So oh, you're right. at this yeah. point, the pilot is non-canon. So you don't know that for sure. But now I think it's 100 years. That yep, certainly Pearl at least said. 100. Yeah. 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 So I'd, I'd forgotten I clung to that statement from the pilot. But it's certainly been a long time. And mm-hmm. they're not 100 years old by human standards. So there's something going on there, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's hard to tell kind of what they kept from the pilot. But they definitely gone on record saying the pilot isn't canon so until they repeat it i guess kind of like with the comics <laughs> yeah it's true until it's not <laughs> or it's not yeah. true until it is depending on your view of such things yep uh, i don't think i have anything else to say about together breakfast specifically besides that it's delicious <laughs> yeah definitely that is making me wonder how close the nearest waffles and cream and things are mm. I still have some whipped cream and some cookie cats in my fridge and freezer. <laughs> I wonder if I've still got my waffle maker. Ooh. I had a waffle maker, yeah. but not sure if it survived the last house move because that's always where some things just go. Mm-hmm. My waffle maker is square though. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, uh, oh. I think my waffle maker is shaped like a penguin, but it makes square waffles. Yeah. <laughs> penguin waffles. Because apparently someone at the waffle maker factory said, you know, it'll shift more units, shaping this thing like a penguin. Yep. <laughs> got my Mr. Just Queasy. Mr. Queasy at me again. Yep. So cute. Oh, I got a medical condition. <laughs> he's got a crab on his bib. Oh, uh, yeah. And, he's, and for those who, for some reason, are only following the audio version of this program and not Steven Universe, which is not how it's supposed to work, but he's actually got his digestive system traced on the outside of his body mm-hmm. you know just to make it very clear that his whole gimmick is having indigestion <laughs> the gastric guardian uh, uh, that wasn't even this episode was it <laughs> <laughs> as we get more behind us they'll start to cross fertilize cross pollinate yes 
I'm looking forward to that. As such, we've only got a pilot and four episodes to do that with. So I'll have to be careful about my statements until then. (laughs) I haven't noted anything so far. I noted how intense your poker face was last week, but not actually what was behind it. So (laughs) I don't even remember what I made the poker face for. Uh, I think it was when you asked who I thought would be the first to cry. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I probably did, but it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong on that. So <laughs> I promise you don't know why they would cry. So yeah, and <laughs> like I said, I don't actually know what you were thinking, just how hard yeah. you're working not to display it. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I need to take some lessons from Garnet. <laughs> They're impassively get a pair of big sunglasses. Yeah, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should just watch all of the episodes with sunglasses on. Here we go. Ah, I, I knew you'd have those. <laughs> I've cosplayed Garnet, so. Cool. Yeah, these aren't really perfect for it, but they're mirrored and you can't see my eyes. So if you see me for episode five and I'm wearing these, it's because I haven't. I don't want you to know what I'm thinking. That's another thing you could put on the visual from time to time, the cosplay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I might have to do that. Oh, okay, I think I'm ready to put this one to sleep. How about you? Anything to add? No, I think we're good. I think we just have to... Wish our listeners and viewers a a good evening or good morning or whatever they're listening at. Yeah. Yeah. The answer to that is different for us as well. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's my evening. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Goodbye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Ivy and Daria on Not So Giant Women. You can find episodes of the show in video form by looking up Not So Giant Women on YouTube or in audio form at anchor.fm slash not so giant women or your podcatcher of choice. You can also find us on Facebook. Audio production by Daria. Video production and music by Ivy. Daria can also be heard on Postploitation, the Ozploitation podcast. And Ivy at her Steven Universe fan blog at love-takes-work.tumblr.com. Steven Universe was created by Rebecca Sugar and remains property of Cartoon Network. No infringement is intended. of a breakfast.